Hello, welcome, bienvenue, konnichiwa, it's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 160 on Sunday the 22nd of November, I'm uh, President-elect Armish Phil, I'm uh, Toilet Cleaner Armish Ben, <laughs> and I'm Armish Matt, the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. And uh, we've got a special guest um, down, from the, down the line from the other side of the pond, we've got Charlie Robinson in the house, how are you doing Charlie? Good. I'm a um, vote irregularity specialist. <laughs> well, you've got plenty to go at at the moment, haven't you? There's lots. Of, I'm, I'm, my hands are full. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't, if you don't know, Charlie is the host of uh, Macro Aggressions on the Iconic Network. Um, you can catch him every other Monday, pretty much on Union of the Unwanted, and is the author of. The Octopus of Global Control, which I have here. It never leaves my side. And you've also got a new book out, haven't you? Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Yeah, with Jeff Berwick, with crazy yeah. Jeff Berwick. If it, for, for, for those that don't know Jeff, um, if, if a, like maybe, I don't know, nine months ago or so, you saw the videos of the two guys that had raided Epstein's Island in like shorts and, you know, forgot to bring their shoes and everything. One was Luke Radowski of We Are Change, and the other one was Jeff Berwick. So, so this is what I'm working with here. All right, this is my co- my co-author is a is a absolute lunatic, but in all the good ways, of course. And uh, so, yeah, we put our heads together and came up with this book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. We released it on. Uh, the Friday right before the elections here in the U.S. and on and on Election Day, which was Tuesday, it became a number one bestseller. So we are we're thrilled for that. We love the irony <laughs> that our book is <laughs> it goes to number one when when they are uh, you know when everybody's getting in line for this big election, they're going to vote extra hard this time because they want their guy to win. So uh, yeah, we just love that we sort of uh, you know threw a turd in their punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great that it's doing well. Um, I thought we could maybe start with talking about a bit about the podcasting because, I mean, how how sure. long have you been doing macroaggressions now? What episode are you up to? So, I the the idea for it came about in um, like about a just about a year ago, maybe December twenty nineteen. I kept getting all these. I had thought about doing it. And then um, somebody had mentioned something like, oh, you should do a podcast. And then somebody else said something like a day or two later. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And then I was on Facebook, not even on my own page. I was in like the tinfoil hat group page and someone had posted, they didn't just post something. They posted like a, I don't know what you, how you do it. It's like an announcement or something in Facebook. So it, it looks like really, it's like a big, bold statement. And it was, and it said, why doesn't Charlie Robinson have his own podcast yet? And I was like, holy shit, like this is, this has got to be the universe, right? Or, you know, maybe just maniacs and on Facebook saying it, but I was like three times in, in like a week, I, I, I hear this. 
maybe, maybe, maybe I should be doing it. So I thought about it and I, and, and wound up putting something together. Uh, I have a, a guy that helps me to engineer it and, uh, it launched the first week of March, right when all of the COVID situation kicked off and people wound up like kind of forced into their, into their houses. So I'm, I'm an episode 75, I think I've been doing two a week and I love it. I love doing it. I love, I love interacting with other people and having them on my show and talking about crazy shit and, and getting into the details about what's really happening or speculating about it at least. And, and, and it's just been a really fun outlet. So I do one show in a week that's just a monologue only episode. And then I do another one where it's an interview and I just have, have interesting people on. So, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, that's good going to a week. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of people might think, oh, there's you know, all you do is turn the microphone off, uh, microphone on, and start talking. But there's a lot of work that goes goes into producing that stuff. So yeah. that's good going. And some people, I think, can just turn on the microphone and talk. But uh, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm not one of them. I, I can I can maybe do it for a little while. But if it's a monologue only episode, I want to have some sort of like format to. I want to have some kind of structure to it. But uh, but it, you know it, and and what a what a trip that it launched right when everyone in the U.S. at least was like being forced into their homes. So um, that that was why I was surprised that it did so well right off the bat. Was because I was like, God, this is this is this is amazing. This is great. And someone's like, Hey, you should look at Chartable, and you can see where your podcast ranks. And I was like, Oh, well, my podcast will be you know number two million, you know for sure. <laughs> Went on there and looked, and in the U.S. it was number eight in the Ooh. government section. I was like, what, well, how is this happening? And then I was like ahead of Alex Jones. And I was like, this, this can't be right. This, they, they, this, this thing has got to be broken. And then someone told me, no, nah, well, it's not really like that. Like they, it, the way it measures things, it doesn't measure necessarily your total audience, but it measures like your trajectory of like how you're growing and where it thinks you're going to go. So you're not really beating Alex Jones. I was like, okay, <laughs> good. Cause if I was beating Alex Jones after like a month, then we would have a problem. Yeah, so, who knows how happening. who knows how <laughs> iTunes works it out. There's all sorts of weird black magic goes into that algorithm, yeah. I think. But yeah. uh, and a guest every other week. Are you are you allowed to say who you just told us coming on next, Charlie? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. All right, keep the uh, I, I don't want to jinx it too much publicly. Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> but it, good. but it'll be it'll be someone that would be fun to hear talk about uh, what they, how they see the the insanity of the world. Yeah, Absolutely. keep your yeah, eyes peeled, eavesdroppers, for, for uh, <laughs> someone who might be landing on Charlie's podcast very soon. We'll tease it and leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> yes. Shall we, um, what about Union of the Unwanted? Because this is something, again, that's fairly new and that's fantastic yeah. sort of, um, I love the, um, what do you call it, like the, the uh, ethos behind it, the way everyone gets together and then it's it's open source and it gets shared around. We had we yeah. had we had Ricky on our show like two months ago. Oh and yeah. We just ran out so we didn't get time to talk about it. So maybe now'd be a good chance because you're one of the driving yeah sort of forces behind it as well, aren't you? We we it was a it was an accident. It wasn't anything we intended to do. It was a group podcast between with me and Ricky Verandas from the Ripple Effect and Sam Tripoli from Tinfoil Hat and Midnight Mike from OBDM, which is, as you guys know, my favorite podcast of all time. So the four of us were doing a show together, and Mike made a comment. We were talking about censorship, and he said, we are like the union of the unwanted. And I was like, oh, that'd be a great name for a band, you know? And uh, and Mike has been in bands and everything. So he was kind of, you know, he's just kind of joking about that. And then afterwards, 
we realized that like, well, it would be kind of cool if we opened this up and had more people on and, and, and invite uh, some people to, and maybe we can make this a bigger thing and we'll call it, we should just, we should call it the union of the unwanted. That'll be, that'll be funny because we sort of made that up. And so we sent out, well, Ricky mostly uh, sent out the, the invite list to a bunch of people and our first big official union of the unwanted show had like 30 people on this zoom call. And it was like James Corbett and Ben Swan and, and conspiracy farm and those conspiracy guys and, and 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 all of us, of course, and Gramerica. And and, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a mess. Frankly, there were so (laughs) many people that it was like, it was like, there was too many, but people, but we had this idea that if we, uh, if we if we could get everyone to sort of like mute their microphones in advance and we, and we have some sort of like process where you know in in the chat it's like you know hey you know Ricky's typing he's going you're next you're next you're after that you're the per-, you know so we were trying to kind of control it uh, we've pared it down now so it's it doesn't get to be more than like a dozen of us and even that's a little big but um, yeah. but we we've uh, we've had so much fun with it just having this big group podcast of of people that we like we tell them in advance you come in whenever you need to and you can drop off the call whenever you need to you don't need to announce yourself or give us any sort of excuses and they usually go for about two hours and we talk about a variety of subjects this last time we had roger stone on which was funny (laughs) because ricky's like i think i got roger stone to show up i was like Okay, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's see, Roger. And Ricky always delivers whenever he says he's got someone. You know, they're like, they're like, you know, they show up. It, maybe not exactly on the episode he says they're going to be there, but they show up eventually. And uh, and sure enough, Roger Stone was there, and and he couldn't log in uh, correctly on his home on his phone. He was trying to do it on his phone, and then he had to drop off, and he moved to like somebody else's computer. And then the name that came up was like Enrique Iglesias or something. <laughs> I forget what it was. But everyone was like, "What the fuck is Roger Stone doing? Does he think he's like undercover or something?" I was like, "No, no, no. He's using somebody else's Zoom. That's why it's got some." somebody else's name <laughs> but uh so we've just been having fun doing that just getting a bunch of uh a bunch of people together and um and and seeing what comes out of their mouth and it, it broadens everyone's horizons because i remember saying oh, yeah. i sent to uh, ricky when i was emailing him like i I'd, i wasn't i'd never heard of the ripple effects i didn't i didn't know you it was when I, i'm a great american i listen to great america we had darren and graham on a few weeks ago and uh, it just popped up in my in my Grand America podcast feed. You knew the one thing. I'm like, what? What's this? What's going on here? And then that introduces you to all these different yeah. people and different characters. So, and it's re- and it's constantly evolving. Yeah, you it's know. constantly changing. We're like um, um, Spinal Taps with the drummer. <laughs> we just keep bringing new drummers in, but yeah. we've got a bunch of them. Monica Perez, at the end. Monica Perez isn't coming uh, this week. She's had a freak gardening accident. <laughs> <laughs> she, did, did she have a gardening accident? No, that's a spinal tap joke. <laughs> oh, is that okay? I was going to say, because I know, it's funny you say that, because I know Monica Monica has, like, chickens and stuff, and she oh, has, like, a whole, like, like a, a legit garden going on. Oh, and she's right. talking about the chickens getting knocked up all the time, and it's, it's really funny. <laughs> So, so I thought you, I thought maybe she did have a gardening accident. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, what about books? We should. I mean, let's talk a bit more about the new book, Controlled Demolition. Sure. Um, it's. I'm hoping my mother-in-law is going to get it me for Christmas. So, <laughs> tell us a bit more about it. What's um, what's what's going on? 
Well, it came out of this uh, podcast I had done with with Jeff Berwick back in the summer of 2018, where we were. Uh, I was promoting the Octopus book, and and we got done recording, and we just were talking off air, and he's saying something along the lines of, you know, it's all coming down. This whole it, the whole system, it's all coming down, and I was like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, and he, I'm like elaborate and he's like, you know, the financial system, this, and, and we, we got in this really good discussion and he said, we should work on something together. I mean, we sort of see this same thing coming on the, on the horizon. We should, uh, you know, maybe we should write about it. I said, that sounds like a good idea. Let me think about how we could structure this in a way that makes sense. And so, um, I wound up, you know, out of, out of the country for a little while. And I was thinking, um, Oh, I think I have it. You know, I kept going back to that, that statement he said about it's all coming down. And I thought, well, like a building, you know, like the controlled (laughs) demolition of a building, the way you would take down a building. So, uh, and of course, when I think of a taking down a building, I think of of 9-11, you know, I think of all those buildings. And and, and so I, I I looked, I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we make it so that it's like a, we, we use like the building metaphor to, to try and explain how this is going down. So we've got things like a rotting, the chapters are like a rotting foundation and uh, pre-weakening of the building, identifying support columns, rigging the detonators, pushing down the plunger, clearing out the debris. So, so all these things that you would go about doing for an actual high rise, like the pre-weakening of the building, what they do is they go around and they find like the major support columns and they leave those alone and they go around and cut all like the, the secondary support systems. Uh, so the, the building will still stand up, but it'll just have less support when they decide to take it down. So, we'll, so we describe and compare something like that, like a, pre-weakening of the building to things like the trade agreements like NAFTA and things that the United States signed, which is, which doesn't really destroy the economy right away. It just sets like a 25 year fuse as your manufacturing is all being outsourced out of the United States and over to Asia. Your supply chain is dependent on Asia. Uh, you know, it, it, it destro- you lose all these blue collar jobs in the right in the heart of America that depended on all this. And it, so it doesn't destroy the country right away, but it does a really nice job of softening it up for the time that when you, when you want to take it out, you've already destroyed the middle class. You've already destroyed manufacturing and things like that. So, so that was the, the, the concept behind it. That was the format where, you know, how we we're going to explain how this thing is coming down. And then, you know, the symbolic pushing of the plunger and where we, what happened was that we got to the point where it was just about done in March and the Corona situation kicked off and we were like, Oh man, we need to stop for a while and see how this plays out. Cause this is going to be, this is so relevant. It's going to have to be in there. So we, we gave it about five months. We watched how that, you know, was, was playing out. And then I said, I think, I, I think we see, I think we've seen enough. Um, and so we then wrote a bunch more and, and went back in and, and sort of infused it through the book so yeah. that it was even more relevant. So that the, the name is the controlled demolition of the American empire. The sub headline uh, sub uh, title is uh, from the founding of the federal reserve to nine 11 to the coronavirus panic. So we were able to sort of in, encapsulate a, a couple of these, these concepts in there and, and, and explain really, we started off by explaining just empires in general and how they sort of follow this very predictable cycle where they, you know, they, everything starts off fine, but by the end it's, it's what we have now, which is like bread and circuses. And we have <laughs> coin, like in the old Roman days, they did this thing called coin clipping where they'd take like a gold coin and they cut 
like little pie shaped triangles all around the edge of it and collect all those little pieces. And they do it to enough of those coins, scrape it all together, melt it down and make it into a new coin. So it's, so they were debasing their currency back in the Roman era, like the way the federal reserve does now. And so, so we, we, we showed that how, how all that stuff works, how, Nobody trusted their version of the of the the news, the media back then. Um, there was, you know, they were the politicians were stealing everything that wasn't nailed down. You know, so there's a lot of similarities between how these empires in the past had ended and where we are right now. And it's like, it's kind of like that, like when you see a map and there's a pin, it says you are here. It, that's what we felt like. It's like this big cycle of, of like collapsing empires. And like, we're like right at the end, I felt like we wanted to put a pin that says like, you are here. You're right at the very end of this one because all of the signs, all of the historic signs um, and even some just, you know, n- new generation signs that we see are everywhere. Like it's hard to deny that things are, are the wheels are coming off uh, in America. And so it's funny though, that, that, that when we, you know, we start, we were like two years into this book and I was like, we need to get this thing out. You know, I want everything to be fresh. And then we stopped because of the Corona situation. And then in the end we released it much later than I wanted to. And that was the, the only frustration I really had with this book. But, but I have, I have to like acknowledge that our timing turned out to be perfect because if we'd put it out in March, people might've been like, yeah, well, I could maybe see the empire collapsing, but putting it out right before the election, after we'd just gone through Corona and riots and protests and murder hornets and, and fuckery with our election and no, you know, all this stuff, we, we put this out and everyone's like, Oh, controlled demolition of the America. Oh yeah. Uh, that should happen next week. You know, <laughs> like they, it was so relevant that people really connected with it and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah, it's a fantastic analogy to use, and this is—is is this going to? It looks like this might be a common theme in your books, Charlie, because you know the octopus is the other sort of analogy that you built the, your first book around, which I yeah. found uh, really useful in in sort of grasping how all these different things work together. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, that octopus symbology was not mine. I, I didn't come up with that. It, it actually came from, uh, there's several people. Um, uh, Danny Casolero wrote a book called The Octopus, uh, and he wound up getting killed for it. Uh, the There's a quote that I put in the book from uh, John Francis Highland, who was the mayor of New York City in 1922, and he's talking about this sprawling octopus with its tentacles in the banking industries and the media and the courthouses. And he was, he goes on to say, let me escape from mere generalizations. I am talking about the Rockefeller standard oil interests. So he described them as being this octopus, but the, but the concept of an octopus has been around for, you know, well over a hundred years with writing. So I didn't, I didn't come up with that, but, but, but to me in the way my brain works, it, it was, it, it made it easier to break it up into eight chapters, each one being, you know, eight core chapters with each one being a different tentacle. And, and just coincidentally, the controlled demolition book is broken up into eight sections as well. So, so it, it made it easier for me to sort of like folk, you know, just sort of compartmentalize each, each component of this, like this is, you know, this is one chapter media, you know, in the octopus, it was like the media tentacle and then you could just get all into it and then scientific. And, and of course they blur the lines, but, but for the purposes of writing the book, it just makes more sense to, to make sure I just do it like one at a time. And it it makes it more digestible for the reader as well, because I'm sure you Charlie could do an entire book on each tentacle or a series of books probably on each tentacle, but the way it gives it more of an overview and it's, 
Uh, I'd recommend it to normies like Amish Matt, <laughs> yeah. who, uh, who are sort of uh, not gone on their sort of... I hate I hate using the word conspiracy theory because I feel like it's a, a stick that's used to beat people like me with, but... Yeah, I just, I use conspiracy analyst. And, and, I, <laughs> and I just say, I mean, because, because, and to be fair, there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there. A lot of, a lot of, you know, we're speculating. We can get into, you know, we can talk about hollow earth and stuff. I mean, th- these are crazy fun topics to explore. And, the, and these are, there's theoretical components to that but a lot of the stuff that i do most of the stuff i do is is not conspiracy theory we're not it's not theoretical these these are actual conspiracies it's more conspiracy analysis and so it's not it's not so much, i mean there's plenty that you can focus on i don't need to make we don't need to make up fake conspiracies there's plenty of actual ones happening so i try to fo- stay in that realm of of reality but it yeah. but it's tough though because it's it's reality but it's not reality for a lot of people because they've never heard of it they never they don't know that these things have happened they just assume that can't have happened if it had happened like that i would have heard about it on my nightly news and it's like <laughs> oh well your nightly news is 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 part of the problem here yeah. they silence this and that's the, part of the reason why that octopus book was the the format of it was a little unique when it's that I brought in quotes from over 500 different people that had had some sort of role or had an interesting opinion on these important events. And what, what wound up happening was that you hear a lot of these, the words of people that you, you recognize and you're like, Oh my God, I've never, I never knew that that guy said that. Or I, uh, what a what a dick you know like I, I like Jacques Cousteau by the way is saying like oh you know we need to remove 250,000 people from this planet every single day it's ter- it's a terrible thing to say but it's just as bad not to say it and it's like what like that's what Jacques Cousteau said that oh my god what an asshole and so yeah. so there's a lot of stuff in there that you that like people are like oh my god I would have I didn't know that and so it's like when you talk about these massive conspiracies and somebody doesn't really know or care much about it, they just assume that it's crazy and it's not true. And and because if it was this big of a conspiracy, surely I would have heard about it before. The, and that actually isn't true because a lot of this stuff is very well hidden. So, um, so I, I think it's a book that works well for... I think it works well for everybody because uh, it's funny, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's strangely funny, it, it, even though we're talking about dark topics because, well, because we were talking about dark topics, I had to try and make it as funny as I could because it, you know, like some of this stuff is quite depressing. So yeah. instead of, you know, making people feel like they're, they're trying to, you know, they want to hang themselves in their bedroom after reading the book, I tried to mix in a, a enough humor to keep you hanging in there and just so that you could laugh at like the absurdity of this all, because some <laughs> of this stuff is just, it's so crazy. And you think, this cannot be a real thing. It cannot be true. And then it's like, and then when the controlled demolition book, it's like we brought in 250 footnotes to show everybody because it's like the first time you hear people getting arrested for collecting rainwater off on their own property, you're like, that can't possibly be true. That there's no way that anybody that the police are showing up at people's houses and arresting them just for collecting rainwater on the house. It's like, well, I could link right here to the, to the police story about it. You know, and it's like it's really happening. So we we had some, you know, so the octopus book, I think, is good for people that want like a just a cursory overlo- overview of a lot of these different topics. It gets into a bunch of them. Uh, controlled demolition gets into a little bit more detail with with uh, with s- still some similar topics. I mean, there's a lot of overlap, but 
Um, but we just did it in a different voice. And of course with Jeff, you get a, you get a, a different voice as well because he's a Canadian living in Mexico. Who's an anarchist and throw, he puts on the largest anarchist uh, conference in the world called the Narcopulco. And he's got a, he runs a company called the dollar vigilante. And he's a guy that was in Bitcoin at $3, you know, so he, he's, he's seen this whole world <laughs> with a different set of eyes that I could never like have. So we, put our heads together and i think we came up with something okay yeah the uh the quotes definitely uh, make it hit home hit home mm-hmm. to people and um, that could be a good segue actually to maybe dip into some news um sure. this isn't actually news but we got sent from one of our producers sent us this quote this might uh you might be able to fit this into your next um book charlie I'm excited. i don't know if you've heard this quote uh this is from our dear leader boris johnson uh bojo the clown we call him lovingly <laughs> Um, now, this is from 2007, so I think that's probably before he was even London Mayor, is it? 2007? Ooh, yeah, so. possibly. Yeah, it was so when, he was, um, when he was writing for The Telegraph, and uh, here it goes. Uh, the world's population is now 6.7 billion, roughly double what it was when I was born. If I live to be in my mid-80s, then it will have trebled in my lifetime. I simply cannot understand why no one discusses this impending calamity and why no world statesmen have the guts to treat the issue with the seriousness it deserves. We seem to have given up on population control. Ooh. Pretty interesting, uh, though. I, I don't think he was supposed to say that last sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that this, was the part you were supposed to keep to yourself. <laughs> but this, this is a common thread, though, isn't it? Population control that runs yeah. through this, this network. Yeah, and this is one of those things that, like I just said, that that sounds so crazy the first time you hear it. It is really easy. I think I probably was dismissive of it, too. And you're like, a lot of these people that are in high positions of power want to depopulate the earth. They want to uh, get rid of, the, you know, uh, us. And the, the very first time you hear that, you just go, get out of here. That's that's ridiculous. That, 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 that's conspiracy theory. Well, they write about it a lot. They're, they're very open about it. They write about it. They talk about it. They um, give presentations about it. Bill Gates has talked about this. You know, a guy like Bill Gates is is disguised as this computer tech nerd, but he's he comes from a eugenicist family. His father, Bill Gates Sr., ran Planned Parenthood, took over the operations after Margaret Sanger left or was no longer involved. Maybe she died. I don't know. But Margaret Sanger was a reprehensible racist scumbag pig who wanted everybody dead. And Bill Gates Sr. took over for her. And so it's not too hard to extrapolate that Bill Gates Jr. might have, you know, gotten a little a little something from his upbringing, you know, from his father. And then you see things like his TED Talk where he talks about if we do a, a really good job with our reproductive programs and our vaccines, we can get that number and there's a big equation behind him he said we can get that number uh pretty close to zero we've we've played Uh, that clip on the on the previous podcast of of his ted talk yeah it's and so you know he's talking about if if you know if if no he said we want to get the number down to as close to zero if we do a really good job with our reproductive uh services and vaccines we ought to be able to lower that number by about 10 or 15 percent so my question is if you do a really good job with your vaccines and your vaccines are really good at keeping people alive, shouldn't that number be going up by 10 or 15%? Shouldn't his comment be, if we do a really good job with our vaccine programs, that number will go up by 10%. Yeah. 
He didn't say that. He said, we'll go down. He's talking about getting rid of people. He's, he's not just talking about getting rid of people. He's been thrown out of India for uh, giving 496,000 children paralysis from his uh, polio vaccines. So he's, he's, he's no longer wanted in some parts of the world and America is celebrating him. So there's, there is a depopulation agenda after you get over like the initial shock of that, then you can, then it's like, all right, well now let's, let's let's analyze this. There's plenty of examples of these people. I mean, Prince Philip saying, wishing he would, you know, saying when he dies, he wants to come Come back back as a deadly virus. I mean, they hate us. They hate our guts. They've they've erected statues, the Georgia Guidestones, about yeah. this. Yeah. And the in the 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 law number one was to reduce the population of the world down to five hundred million in balance with nature. They don't want balance with nature. They just want all of us gone. We're taking up too much space on their planet, and they have a problem with that. So it's a very it's a very disturbing mentality. Yeah. Um, but once you're aware of it, and and you hear something like a like a, a Boris Johnson uh, quote like that, once you're aware of it, you'll start to see you'll see them everywhere. You'll see comments like that everywhere from really prominent people too, the Queen and 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 the head of the you know World Bank and the and Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab. and Bill Gates <laughs> and all these these people. They're very open about it. They but they 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 say it, it's like we're trying to preserve humanity, so we just want there to be fewer people. And I say, who, who made you in charge? Like, why are we listening to you? I don't care. You want to depopulate? Everyone, well, let's start, start by depopulating you. <laughs> yeah. Let's start. Henry Kissinger says that the world should, population should be reduced by 50%. I say, fantastic. Let's cut Henry Kissinger in half. Let's start there. <laughs> because these guys are always advocating this. Uh, Ted Turner says that there should, you know, that there should only be 500 million people and that, it, that you shouldn't have more than one kid. How many kids does Ted Turner have? He has five. Which ones have to go, Ted? Pick, pick, pick them. You know what I mean? So the hypocrisy here is like, it's staggering. And it's an, it's elitist driven where they view us as cattle taking up space on their earth and they'd like to get rid of us. And so when you point that out to someone, you'll get ridiculed <laughs> unless somebody knows, you know, unless somebody is aware of these sorts of things, uh, in, in which case they'll say, yeah, I know it's crazy how they talk about this openly, but nobody's listening. I heard yeah. I heard a, dis, a disturbing story about Margaret Sanger. You were talking about the founder of Planned Parenthood, and I don't know if it was from your book or from some other source, but I'd heard the rumor that she instituted this these abortion networks and targeted them at African American families. Oh well, she she definitely wanted to get rid. She considered them to be be inferior. She also uh, started a campaign to euthanize everybody that was mentally retarded as well. And, um, yeah, so this is a, this is a sick, this is, this is a sick, uh, this, this, you know how like everybody's, everybody's a Nazi these days. You're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. This is more in line with Nazi mentality than just about anything. And, and guess who's, you know, guess who's pushing it? The, 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 the people that aren't getting, the only people that aren't getting called Nazis, Bill Gates and Fauci and these guys, (laughs) like, you know, relax on calling 
that black dude over there, you don't like a Nazi. Okay. Let's, let's, the term has lost its credibility and lost its value. But, uh, yeah. but these guys are, these guys are talking about it. Margaret Sanger talked about it very openly. And, um, and the people that have come, come after her have, 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 have so, so as well. The head of the Sierra Club, the Sierra Club here in the United States is like, they make sure that we have like trees. Okay, like they're like all about like, hey, plant more trees, plant more trees. The the head of the Sierra Club it, it has talked about how great it would be um, uh, about airborne of Ebola because for every one that survives, they have to bury nine, you know, because they said it had like a 90% mortality rate. It's like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? You're, you're supposed to be in charge of like the trees in the United States, like making sure that we have ample amounts of trees and your quote is that you want 90% of the people dead. What, what is, so it's, it's a, it's a strange philosophy and it's held by a lot of people in high places. Like a, like, it's almost like you, you it kind of needs to be, uh, you need to be on board with that if you're going to join that club and uh, because they all tend to have it. And, and unfortunately, you know, the people that they see uh, as, as taking up spaces are just normal people just normal people but they'll start yeah. with the blacks because they're you know reprehensible racists too but uh but in the end they 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 want almost all of us gone so so we have that to look forward to yay for 2021 <laughs> oh my god that's intense shall we shall we segue in some covid news i like to get you i've got i've got some stories lined up some clips I like to get your take. I like to know where the which tentacle is operating in each of these stories. Oh, okay. Should we do Has that? Charlie got to guess. Uh, well, I think it's I pretty obvious. Guess which tentacle? Sure. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do some COVID news. Fuck it. <laughs> COVID nineteen news. Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day in Terminator. More, like... More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is Sonny Pickering! Right then, here's the first one for you, Charlie. Uh, everyone's favourite governor, Gavin Newsom's, hit the headlines oh, no. this week. Oh my word! I've got a clip here from uh, the Malin Baker show, the Malin Baker YouTube channel. He's a previous guest on the podcast, so I'm just going to uh, let Malin explain what's going on, and then we'll get Charlie's uh, thoughts on this. If I can uh, find the right one, here it is. But that's not the case with Gavin Newsom. Newsom broke his own rules so that he could have a nice night out at a $400 per head fine dining restaurant with an assembled group that included members of the California Medical Association and various lobbyists. Clearly in a way that he himself would have argued puts people at risk in order to celebrate a lobbyist's birthday. And that, citizens of America, is your political class. Congratulations. So tell us what's going on with uh, Gavin Newsom, Charlie. Well, there's two things going on. First of all, he hates and does not respect the people of California. I'm a Californ- I don't live in California now, but I grew up there, lived there for 35 years. I'm essentially a Californian. And um, 
the California people hate his guts. They hate his guts and they should. He's a scumbag. Um, but there's two things. So he doesn't respect the people because he told them to wear masks and everything and made this mask man. And the second component is he knows it's all a gigantic scam. He knows it. That's why he's not worried. That's why he's not out. That's why he's out with people. He understands what's going on. He knows that they're screwing with the numbers that they've, they've been ordered to do these mask mandates and everything. That's why he's not, if he was legitimately worried, he wouldn't be out. He's not worried. He, cause yeah. there's, because there's nothing to be worried about. There's, there's, it's a gigantic, huge scam that they're pulling on people. I mean, he's, and he's, he's he, instituted these, these really tough restrictions on the people of yeah. California. And then he gets seen in this restaurant. It's, this, it's the type of restaurant I've heard where the waiter comes over with some scales and they weigh your caviar against an ounce of gold. And he's there with, <laughs> he's there with medical, with the medical authorities, with lobbyists. No social distancing, no fucking matter. It's rules for thee and not for me. That's exactly right. That, and... and and, and what he's done to small and medium-sized businesses in California is devastating. I mean, he's not the only one, of course, but, but it, it's been devastating. And, it, and, it's, and it's the thing that makes everyone in California so mad is that it's so inconsistent in his, in his uh, managing of this. Because, like, if you go, right now they're having, um, they're having riots, or no, I don't know, riots, but they're having demonstrations in Huntington Beach, which is in Orange County. Orange County was hit with huge hardcore lockdowns, San Diego County, which is just a little bit South. Their people immediately started freaking out when they started to put the, the lockdowns on some of the, um, on the businesses and they backed off. So San Diego wasn't enforcing that. And so it's like some places are, some places aren't, uh, you know, they closed down and they made all these restrictions that many of these businesses had to be closed if they weren't closed, they were going to get fined. Guess whose business was open? Gavin Newsom's vineyard in Napa was open. No problem. He kept that open. Got to pay the bills, right? So so people see that. They see the hypocrisy of that. They see the hypocrisy of Nancy Pelosi going to get her hair done yeah. um, and, and then lying and trying to say, well, they trapped, they tricked me into doing it. Oh, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Nobody believes you guys anymore. You're such pathological liars. And you just keep coming out on television lying and getting caught going against your own orders. And yeah. so people are rising up and rightfully so I'm, I'm really tired of this. I'm tired of this political class trying to pretend like they're, they're actually in charge of us. I mean, th- we, uh, I'm as, I'm as frustrated though with the general public to be, to be fair that the general public, the, um, the majority of them just willfully take it and just go fine. I'll lock myself in my house. I'll do whatever they say because I don't want to kill grandma. Mm. Right. But but these these maniacs uh, at the top, they're they're rubbing it in your face. It's in it, and and w- so what are we going to do? We're going to sit around and just get mad at our Twitter feed, or are we going to actually <laughs> do something about it? Twitter isn't real life. <laughs> but relating to the octopus, I mean, this is. I thought it was interesting that he was there with lobbyists, and they were celebrating a oh. lobbyist birthday. I mean, this is this is definitely one arm, one tentacle, isn't it? The, the fact that your, your politicians are bought and sold before they even get into office. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that they, they made legal too. They passed a, a something called citizens United, which allowed corporations to spend unlimited amounts of money on uh, uh, po- political campaigns. So it's yeah. like, you know, people can only spend a certain amount. Like you're, I think you're capped at like $5,500 or something. 
that you can give to a political candidate, but then the businesses can give whatever they want. So, so yeah. should we act surprised when we have lobbyists uh, s- surrounding the governor of California? Of course. I mean, th- that's and what they do. They, you can, you can but, bet you can bet your bottom dollar that Gavin wasn't paying anything to that meal. Right. <laughs> it's the lobbyists yeah. who are paying $400 oh, yeah. a head. Yeah. That guy did not bring his wallet. No fucking way. No, <laughs> no fucking way. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go on to the next one. Because uh, I think you'll find this one interesting, Charlie. This is uh, this is from the BBC. Mm. Uh, Professor Alison Pollock was being interviewed on the BBC, um, and she was talking about they're rolling out a mass testing program, COVID testing program in the city of Liverpool. Uh, and I just clipped the last thirty seconds of this because I get the impression that maybe she goes a little bit off message, and uh, it's interesting how the BBC anchor handles it. And the government's just spent £100 million for um, Liverpool buying something called InnovaTest, which explicitly say they should not be used in community settings. As the WHO and SAGE have said, focus on identifying people with symptoms and isolating them. And they do not recommend mass asymptomatic testing. And we don't know how it's going to integrate into primary care or into public health. And how it's actually going to be effective. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I'm sorry sorry to cut you off there. We're just slightly short on time. Thank you so much. That's Professor Alison Pollock. Fucking shut her up. Get her off here quick. (laughs) So I have a funny story for you about that that that, that ties in perfectly. Um, I was in London last year to do a show called uh, Renegade Inc., which is on RT UK. It's with a guy named Ross Ashcroft. He's fantastic. He's the director of a documentary called Four Horsemen uh, about the financial crash. And he used to work for the BBC. And so we were in his, in his studio and we just got done filming or whatever. And, and, and the crew's kind of, you know, mulling around back there and we're on the set and we're just chatting about stuff. And he was like, wow, that was crazy. It was, uh, and I was, promoting the octopus book. So of course I'm talking about some kind of weird, weird things. And he's like, Oh man, that was, he's like, that part was great. Uh, you went into some like territory that was, that was, that was really interesting. And he's, and he said, what's so nice though. He says, it is like, if I had been at the BBC, this is what he said. He goes, if I'd been working, if we'd been having this conversation back when I was working at the BBC, I would have a producer in my ear telling me, get off this, shut him up, get off that topic, cut, get to something else. And if I didn't do that, then as soon as we ended our interview and and you took off and I went, I would be summoned upstairs where I would be in front of a three panel, a three person panel that they would just put together right away. And they would have me there saying, why didn't you cut him off? Why did you let him get onto that topic? What are you doing? Why, you know, and I was like, Oh shit. And I said, well, what about RT? And he said, (laughs) he goes, he goes, we've done over a hundred episodes on RT. I've been critical of Putin directly on the show. He said, I've never had anybody from RT tell me that tell me that I can or can't say anything. They've never said anything. He goes, but the BBC, we wouldn't have even made it halfway through your answer before they would have been telling me to cut you off. So when I, so when you play that and there's like, Oh, I'm sorry, we got to go. We're out of short on time. That's the producer in the ear. 
<laughs> they're such devious fuckers, aren't they? They're so, they're so disingenuous. I mean, they can't they can't handle any sort of alternative view or, or any sort of any sort of variable to the narrative. They just can't have it. So they have to pretend like it doesn't exist or make you look stupid or or you know. I mean, people have asked me like, oh, why haven't you gone on like? Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or anything to promote your book. I was like, why? They would just have like underneath my name, it would just say conspiracy theorist. And then they'd like superimpose like a tinfoil hat over my bald head. You know, know, so so that's the that's the media, though. I'm, I'm not even slightly surprised about that, especially after my conversation with Ross. Yeah, this is the the media arm of the octopus, isn't it? And that most people, yeah. the most people, the, the most um, media that people are fed comes from a very limited number of sources. Um, the no yeah. agenda guys call it the the M five M, don't they? The main five media companies: yeah. uh, Time Warner, MSNBC, MS. Doesn't the MS stand for Microsoft in MS? It does. They just right. ended yeah. their uh, partnership uh, earlier this year. But yeah, for about 20 years, the MS and MSNBC stands for, it was a joint venture between Microsoft and NBC, which is, uh, w- w- which is one of like the three major news uh, broadcasts or uh, news channels in, uh, in the U S CBS, ABC, and NBC. And, uh, so then they did this new cable show or new cable channel called MSNBC. And that's just, yeah. And so, and, and so it's another thing too, like we were talking about Bill Gates earlier and people have said like, well, if Bill Gates is such a bad guy, like you say, how come I, how come this is the first time I'm hearing about it? I said, well, because the MS and MSNBC stands for Microsoft. <laughs> so like he, he kind of owns it. You know, he kind of is an owner of that company. He's given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to um, media companies all around the world yeah. to to do research or to be, you know, for grants and stuff like that, which are bribes. So that's how that's why nobody's <laughs> talking about those guys. That's why you get a producer in, in somebody's ear saying, don't go down that path. Don't go. Don't don't say bad things about the testing. Yes. Don't let her do it. And it turns into self-censorship as well. Yeah, and yeah. think about how devious that is. Like, how do you, how do you quantify self censoring? You know, like you it, it's it, you can't ever accurately f- see how much people are, are keeping their people are not talking about the truth because they're afraid of like the response or they're they're going to be perceived differently. Moving into a, a future with a social credit system where it won't even just be perceived differently like your score will go down if you're one of these people that has alternative thoughts and you know some of that's just occurred to me with like the bbc and censorship i'm sure you're aware of this guy this cretin called jimmy savile oh yeah um who was a big he was like a famous philanthropist um he was always doing charity runs he was like a it was it was worshipped by the BBC, and there was every now and again you would have someone say something in the media, sort of negatively about him. And Johnny Rotten, Johnny Rotten, famously, yeah, that's a a, a great uh, example. I'm I still think that uh, um, the Smith song "Panic" is about Jimmy Savile. Wow. On the lead side streets that you slip down in provincial towns, you jog around, hang the DJ, yes. hang the DJ, hang, hang the, the DJ. DJ. They deny Fuck it. Me. They say it's not, but I bet you it is. Oh yeah. my uh, god! I made that connection before. <laughs> <laughs> hang the DJ, fucking humdrawn. Yeah. Hang, yeah. 
hang him, draw him and quarter him. The evil fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. the thing is, it, it's, and, and you can compare it with Weinstein as well. It seems that mm-hmm. this was sort of common knowledge in the industry. And you had like yeah. Family Guy, Family Guy with Kevin Spacey. Making a reference yeah. to Kevin Spacey. It's like Stewie's naked and he's running around and he says something about being chased by Kevin Spacey or something. It yeah. seems like this is insider knowledge and it's well known. And they just don't yeah. tell us fucking Joe Public, do they? No. It's fucking no. disturbing, it, it, man. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, people know. People, people know about... Um, you know, Savile, they know about his connections to the BBC. And then the BBC is going to come out and call other people conspiracy theorists while they're protecting <laughs> Jimmy Savile. I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable. There's a show here. It, it always makes me think of this. Um, there's a show here on, on TV called it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And it's a series that's been, uh, you guys probably maybe know it. There's a guy with the character in there, Charlie, he's kind of the shorter brown haired guy. And he's kind of the dopey guy who's got big ideas, but not a whole lot of brains. He's, he's on this, Sounds familiar. this date with this woman. <laughs> he's on this date with this woman and he doesn't know what to say to her. So he's got his buddy is, is also in the bar with his back turned and is pretending like he's just sitting by himself and he's kind of going back and forth. Like, what do I say? What do I tell? And so she, he says, what do I, what do I tell her? She's asking what I do for a living. And, and the, the friend goes, just tell her you're a philanthropist. And he's like, okay, (laughs) I'll tell her I'm a philanthropist. And so he goes back over there and she's like, so what is it that you do for a living? He's like, I'm a full on rapist. (laughs) And and it makes me think of Jimmy Savile every time. They're like, he's a philanthropist. I'm like, more like a full on rapist. Let's be honest here. So, Oh, my God. All right, let's move on to the next tentacle. Because I've got another story. The mass debate has reignited this week. (laughs) Because there's been a controversial um, study, the Danish study that came out this week, um, showing no statistical significance in in mass wearing preventing you from getting COVID. Uh, And uh, a YouTube channel, which I highly recommend, Unheard, the... uh, pop-up lockdown YouTube channel, did an interview with the author of the study, the Danish um, scientist, and uh, I thought that this clip was particularly interesting. So check this out. Let me ask you about a slightly different thing, um, Professor, which is that when when did you do the study? In May and in April and May. Right, so it was quite a while ago. And there's been sort of stories circulating that you have been trying to get this published in various medical journals and that they have said no. What's the truth of that? That is correct. Uh, And I can say that we are very proud that we ended up in a really top-ranked journal, uh, Annals of Internal Medicine, where we have had a very, very fruitful collaboration. Uh, They have suggested several additional analysis uh, to really, really strengthen uh, the message. Which journals said no? Um, New England Journal of Medicine said no. Uh, JAMA uh, said no. And Lancet uh, said no. And what, and, why do you think, and, what, did they give reasons? Or, uh, why do you think they said no? No, no they didn't. And, and most often they don't. And, and he goes on to sort of, you know, come up with some spiel in that, well, you know, it was sort of, it wasn't the, it wasn't a positive result that the journals are looking for. And lots of journals reject scientific papers and all this lot. But, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is thinking, well, maybe they just waited till after the election, maybe, to <laughs> to release it. Yeah. 
And I this have, is like I, the I, uh, the scientific arm, isn't it, of the of the octopus? Yeah, and and science is science get can be compromised. Not not every time, obviously, but 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 I think a lot of people are under the belief, the mistaken belief that it can't be compromised. You know, it can be. It doesn't mean that it is. It doesn't mean that this is. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to say one way or the other, but, but um, I mean, look, Jeffrey Epstein had a bunch of scientists that he, that were hanging out with him too. So they can be compromised for sure. Uh, The mask debate is an interesting one because the contradictions from the agencies themselves are just really hard to reconcile. So like the CDC comes out and says, um, don't, or you don't need to wear a mask early on masks. Don't, you know, don't, don't buy masks. The, the health professionals need it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really work. It's more psychological than anything. It might make you feel better psychologically, but it doesn't actually do anything. Plus, so plus, 40, plus 40 years of, of scientific research into the subject of masks has right. said that they don't do anything. Right. You've got that. And then you've got, <laughs> the N- N95 masks that come in a box and on the side of the box, it says these masks do not prevent the transmission or spread of coronavirus. And you're like, okay, it l- quite literally says it on the box. Um, <laughs> and then you go, a co- and so this is March. And then you go through like April, May, June, all of a sudden in July here in the U S it, the, it ramps up. Matt, everybody needs to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. You're, you have to. And I am of the belief that the reason why they started that up in July when, when um, it, it, which is not particularly flu season, there were the deaths had totally flatlined and bottomed out. Um, it's my belief that they did that to, to create a visual representation of a virus that you can't see, obviously. If everybody's got a mask on, then you know that something's up. If, uh, but, but that time in like June and in, in going into July, if you went around here in the U.S., uh, it, it was getting back to normal. Stores were opening up. Nobody had yeah. masks on, and it was summertime, and people were doing their thing. And, and, it was, and then all of a sudden, it's like everybody got a memo. Yeah. Got to push the mask, and then then the C, then the CDC and everybody then they switch their tune. And it's like, oh yeah, you got to have a mask. If you don't have a mask, you're going to kill grandma. And and if you don't have a mask, we're going to fine you a thousand dollars, and we're going to take you off. And we're going blah, blah 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 blah. And it just went on and on. And it was like, we we, wh- we why we played a why clip, now uh, in the in the summer uh, we played a clip from Deutsche Welle, which is the German sort of the German equivalent of the BBC. And they yeah. have an international arm like BBC World, and there was a, a new uh, the anchor was say was interviewing someone on Deutsche Welle, and she was, and she was saying, worse to the effect of, people aren't um, taking this seriously anymore. How do we increase the fear in the population? <laughs> and I, I was gobsmacked, and we had to I had yeah. to clip it and play it on the on the on the podcast. This messaging, I mean, it's just. I can't believe we've got to this situation. <laughs> well, it's the same. Do you remember when they did the, the briefing at the end of October? Was it towards the end of October? September. And using that that 20, model was the tw- end of September. 21st of September it was. Yeah, sort of saying that by uh, this time, wasn't it, the beginning of November, 4,000 people a day would be dying in the UK, you were saying. 
Sorry, that's uh, the that's the end of you're right. That's the end of October one. The twenty first mm. of October brief, twenty uh, first of September briefing was when they said we would have fifty thousand cases a day within two weeks if we didn't oh, right, start yeah. locking down. That was and it. you're right. The end of October one, mm. the chief scientist, chief medical officer, and scientific advisor get up, flank Bojo the clown, the prime minister, and they produce mm. this slideshow, and they use data from models with. Uh, they selectively used the old data. Yeah, that they knew was out of date. It was, it was, it was out of date the next day. We were meant to have a thousand deaths a day by November the first, and we we're at two <laughs> two hundred. But they they, yeah. they purposely used the data that would mm. that would f- fulfill their narrative in what they mm. wanted to get done. And this is something I'm struggling with, is, is who's driving who. Is it the politicians going to the scientists and saying, can you provide me the data that which justifies this policy? Or is it the scientists driving the politicians and saying, and scaring them into, into acting? This is what I'm... It's I'm all the octopus, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, the guy octopus. in the middle. <laughs> it's but, the World Economic Forum. <laughs> oh, he's my next. Pushing, <laughs> pushing the scientists and pushing the politicians. Charlie, they're driving. They're driving this show. You've you've read my mind, Charlie, because yeah. our next clip is from Klaus Schwab. Oh boy, <laughs> this is from this week. The king of the techno fascists, <laughs> uh, as you said, he's the head of the World Economic Forum, and uh, he gave us a glimpse this week into what we can expect in the future, which is pretty disturbing. Check this out. We all know but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. That's new. Cyber pandemic. That's what we've got to look forward to. Well, is he talking what? Cyber pandemic is he's talking about. That's what's coming next. Oh right, okay. Right. <laughs> it's just fucking crazy, Charlie. Yeah. He sounds like a like an American guy doing a German guy <laughs> Nazi accent. <laughs> I would have this. <laughs> I mean, like well felt. So the World Economic Forum where it's when it started. It, there was a precursor to it. There was another organization that was started that was like the E, I want to say it was like the EEU or something or something along those lines. And it was, um, it was started by a guy that was the head of Deutsche Bank from 1939 to 1945. He was literally <laughs> Adolf Hitler's 
international banker. He's, he, his component of Deutsche Bank dealt with raising funds internationally. So Hitler's yeah. banker started this organization and ran it till like the early 70s or late 60s. And then it merged and became this World Economic Forum. And Klaus Schwab has been running it from that point on. So that's why people are, are, are suggesting that this might be the Fourth Reich, that, that it's <laughs> like that, that like the World Economic Forum's roots are in Nazi Germany. And they're like, they're, so it's like the one group of people that aren't being called Nazis might actually be Nazis. <laughs> Whereas everybody else, you know, has been, been getting called Nazis for posting something on Twitter. Uh, and yet these guys are sort of like going under the radar, but Klaus Schwab's a very dangerous individual. He, he's been at this for 50 years. Um, he was born right in the right in the middle of World War II in Germany. His father was an industrialist in Germany. They had very good government, you know, very strong government ties. He wasn't hung after the war, so he must have known I mean, his dad. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, he, he must have had some sort of connections, and so um, keep. You know, I think people should keep their eyes on this group. They're 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 parading around this great reset with a slick marketing campaign, uh, you know, as they simultaneously, you know, remember these people were involved in event 201 as well with the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. That's the event event 201's the three hour globalist circle jerk. You can watch on YouTube. Right. Where (laughs) they role play, uh, a, a coronavirus outbreak that that spreads across the world and after 18 months destroys the economies of all the world and kills 65 million people. So they were they were the groups that were involved in running this simulation and it just so happens that their great reset needs something before it will actually happen. It needs to destruction of the current paradigm, the current world system. It needs a controlled demolition of 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 the empire. Uh, in order for there to be for it to be built on the ashes and and also because people are like you know if everything's fine and and normal like february of this year uh if if you try and you try and sell them on this great reset they're like no thanks i'm good i I don't need that but if, if if you've now wrecked the economy forced everybody to wear masks you got to go one direction down the grocery store aisle because the virus cares you know you've been psychologically traumatized by the media we have an election here in the u.s that's still un, undecided um every small businesses have, have gone out you know have gone under uh people are, are freaking out now you offer them a great reset and they're like okay i'm interested tell me more yeah. But if you t- try to do this when everything is fine, then you can't, your great reset will never be um, adopted. So they needed this. They need everything to be destroyed. And just, and like, what a coincidence. The people that simulated it are now offering you the solution, the problem reaction solution, like in a nutshell right here. Yeah, you've got the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johnson and Johnson. All the banks are there, insurance companies, the travel industry are there. Role playing this scenario, it's like CIA is there. <laughs> well, they're they're everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I've still, I'm not made my mind up on Amish Ben. I think he might be CIA. <laughs> he looks like he might be CIA. I'm not sure. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> oh fuck! Right, let's move. Let's go on. So, wait, hang on. Which which arms that? Charlie, which what would you relate um, sort of Klaus Schwab to? Where does he fit into oh, the technical- uh, technology arm? Technocratic scientific, scientific technology. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. technocratic. Yeah, not- it's it's. 
it's a blurring really yeah. it's it's this tech the big tech companies uh in conjunction with the government and big pharma so yeah. it's like let's be honest three of the most dangerous components and oh <laughs> and in 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 the united states with the operation warp speed that trump talked about having the the military involved yeah. with the distributing of that too so then you would have the u.s government the u.s military uh big tech and big pharma like the fucking the only, four, the four horsemen one, of the apocalypse yeah the only ones missing is like i guess like monsanto although monsanto is still kind of big is sort of like big pharma you know yeah. so it, it's oh, yeah it's 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 a it's a, a pretty weird situation but um but i one good thing i will say it seems like people are are, are at least aware of this they're starting to like hear yeah. like hear these terms like build back better like i'm <laughs> hearing that more and more often where's that coming from that's joe biden's slogan don't you know oh, it's joe biden he's gonna build back better oh really he stole that from the World Economic Forum. It's part of their marketing campaign. He's not. This is. He's part of this whole thing. So and it's, uh, and it's not just Joe Biden. Bojo the no. clown, the other oh, day yeah. had Build Back Better behind him. Emmanuel yep. Macron, um, mm-hmm. Gutierrez, who's running the UN. Um, Jesus. It's almost like a, a conspiracy. It almost is. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've started. Um, I've started signing off my emails with "Build Back Better" at the end. <laughs> so I want to get in on the on the ground level with the techno fascists. Right. You know? That's right. You got to be on the winning team. Right. No, you won't have to eat crickets like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, it'll be grass fed beef all the way for me. Yeah, for you. I'm I'm in with them. Build back better. Fourth industrial Amish revolution. Ben and I are going to be in a FEMA camp together. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to another arm. Um, this is uh, this is well, not breaking news. I think this was yesterday or the day before. Uh, the UK announced this week that is banning the sale of diesel and petrol cars and vans. Um, I've got a clip here from the BBC, our favourite broadcasting corporation, <laughs> the BBC. Now, ministers at Westminster have unveiled plans for what they say is a green industrial revolution to hit the UK target of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. From 2030, the sale of new diesel-only and petrol-only cars will be banned. That's a decade earlier than originally planned. But some hybrid vehicles will be allowed. There will be more money for new nuclear power, including 16 mini nuclear power plants and a target to replace 600,000 gas boilers a year by 2028. And that's by installing low energy heat pumps. To carry out these plans, the UK government has committed four billion pounds in new spending. Uh, It says it's part of a broader 12 billion pound package and it hopes that 250,000 new jobs will be created in the green sector with more. So this is the the Green New Deal, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Build Back Better, all these slogans we keep hearing. Um, How does this play in, Charlie? This is part of a carbon tax agenda that they have laid out. This comes from something, this is an example of like, not conspiracy theory, but conspiracy analysis because it comes from their own writings. Uh, the club of Rome put out a book in 1971 called the limits to growth. And it, it talks about how in, in their writings, they, and I put these, this quote actually in both books, cause it was so important. Uh, it said, it talks about uh, that they had made the decision 
that they were going to create the concept of global warming and use that as the pretext to get everybody on board with a one world government and that they didn't care if this uh, uh, global warming was that they they didn't care if it was real or invented for this purpose. They said that that, that's what they were going to use as the as the vehicle to convince everybody that they need to get on board with a one world government. And then, then where it goes from there is that then they start, uh, they create an allotment of carbon uh, output that you're allowed, that you're capped at maybe as for a year starts as with businesses uh, and then winds up eventually filtering down and becoming person per per person or per household or something like that. Uh, And, and basically if you, if you go, if you exceed your allotment of carbon output for the year, you have to pay a tax on it. And that tax goes to them. And that tax is the funding mechanism for that new world order group that is putting this all together. It's not, not my term for them, new world order. I know you get eye rolls when you, when you say that it's, it's their term for themselves. That's what, that's what they call themselves. So they, they've written about it. They wrote about it 50 years ago, how they were going to do this. And, um, and, and and the the problem is so if I say like this is like climate change is a scam, everyone goes ah you hate the planet. It's like well <laughs> hang on a second, climate change is a scam. What isn't a, a scam and what is very real is pollution and 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 what we're doing to the planet. That's that's very real. But but that's not what they're doing. They're talking about carbon. They've hijacked pollution. And, and they're using that to to say, listen, we're, we're destroying the planet with all this. Carbon's not the problem. We don't have a carbon problem. Um, they've just decided that this is they're going to create a brand new marketplace for carbon tax offsets and things like that. This is what those guys at Enron were doing. They were doing uh, this is what they were. They were busted uh, with carbon credits and in and, and these scams. And Ken Lay, who is the CEO of Enron, his best friend in the world is Al Gore. And that's who he taught this. This is what we have, was what I've jokingly named the carbon tax hustle. Uh, this is, he taught Al Gore this scam, that how Enron was doing it. And they're creating these marketplaces where uh, companies can come and trade their excess capacity of carbon. Like if, if you've exceeded your capacity of carbon, you just need to find another company that hasn't exceeded theirs that has extra space and they might be willing to sell your, you the offsets and who's in the middle, the banks, Goldman Sachs is going to run that. Um, and, and all the big banks have already been busted for rigging marketplaces like Comex and Forex and LIBOR and, and spoofing gold and silver and doing all that. They've been convicted in courts and paid billion dollar fines. They're all convicted of, of market rigging. And yet they're going to create this brand new, think of it like a casino game, Mm. a brand new casino game uh, that, that that's all carbon uh, credits and taxes and things like that. And who decides that this even exists? The government, the world government, the world economic forum says we're going to put this carbon tax in place. So you will eventually in their system be working at, you know, Foxconn thinking about jumping off the, into the suicide nets, so that you can make just, you know, the bare minimum so that you can pay your carbon taxes to this world government. That's that's their plan for it. It sounds insane when you when you kind of jokingly lay it out like that. But that is that's where they see it going. They see all of us in smart cities with zero emissions. And if you if you exceed any of your capacity, you have to pay. You have to get taxed on it. They want you to throw away 
everything that you currently have and everything's going to be green this, green that. Like I'm all for saving the environment. I'm all for cleaning up this place. But what they're proposing, it the, the carbon tax money doesn't go to fix any of it. No. It just goes to them. And, and the, the, it, it will be the greatest scam ever. It'll be better, <laughs> a bigger scam than fractional reserve banking or the fiat currency. It, it'll be... It, it'll it'll just be endless money for them from this, and we're walking into it. And and it's not even speculation. They write about it. They they write about all this stuff and talk about it openly. So it's really like like if you like, I feel like I'm waving my hands, going, "Read this. Look at this. Watch that. Like, look, it's right here." And everyone's going, "I don't. Uh, that's too hard. I don't want to do that." I'm I'm too busy <laughs> watching The Crown or Strictly, right. <laughs> And a common thread uh, through a lot of these issues is that the rich people are going to be fine. They can pay the carbon tax. They'll just pay it. it it's, They'll it's, get an exemption. Yeah, yeah even, even better. Yeah, you even know, better. The, the oil companies, the ones that are polluting the most, they're not going to have a team of lobbyists lobbying to get them, get their carbon taxes waived. Of course, it'll be like it'll be like now, you know, where... Amazon doesn't pay taxes and you know, the way they do. I'm, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm in favor of nobody paying their taxes to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but, but this is, this is, this is the common thread. You're right. Is that the rich people are running this. Um, and I don't have a problem with rich people. I know a lot of rich people. I, I like nice ones. I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the rich people will be fine. The evil people will be running this show. And of course they will have access to all of this uh, enormous wealth. It's just, it's, it's a dystopian nightmare, but it's being marketed to us as like uh, Elysium. Remember that movie where there's like the, the, the spinning space shot station up in the sky that where everything was totally different. And it was, they're marketing it like that, but it's going to be it's going to be a dystopian nightmare. These people are not to be trusted. It's the, these are the worst people in the world, and they want to be the ones in charge of creating this new version of society. Like, no, thank you, I'll pass. And uh, something to to that is is relevant to individual individual normie, not super rich people like like us. Is that people don't realize that once you ban petrol and diesel cars. You're then reliant on the grid and the substructure and the infrastructure yeah. to get to charge your car. It fundamentally removes part of your independence, your autonomy. Yeah. You can't and just decide. And if you've got a social credit system component, which is something that they're, they've, they're openly talking about, World Economic Forum is talking about it, Shenzhen China actually has it implemented already, well, then if, you're, if your social credit score goes too low, maybe you can't even, you're not even allowed to charge your car. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. 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 Get, a you, Get a bicycle. You criticize the government on your podcast. You're, uh, yeah. you know, we, we've, we put you in Facebook jail for 30 days or whatever. And you're like, shit, <laughs> now I have to walk to work. I don't know if it was, I don't know where, whether I, where I heard it from, whether it was Adam Curry on No Agenda or what, but he, he's... Someone used to say, if you want to know where the West is, just look at China 10 years ago. And that's that's sort of the tra- trajectory that we're headed yeah. in. It's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's. I need to... Oh, a couple of last things, Charlie, because I know we're rocking up on time already. I don't want to keep you any longer than than, uh, okay. than we said. But um, pres- uh, President-elect Joe Biden... 
daily press conference this week, and I feel like we maybe need an interpreter. I, I hope you can interpret <laughs> interpret this well, for me. I make no promises. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Thirdly, we discussed the need to help states with Title 32 funding for the National Guard. That's a fancy way of saying governors governors need to be able to get funding when they dispo, when they dis, they need to uh, and, and bring, bring their National Guard into play. And National Guards are going to have to play this. It costs a lot of money. I've no idea what he's saying there, Joe. But that <laughs> makes God. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> he he's. A, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. <laughs> <laughs> but continue. But. <laughs> But like he he's he's not he's not well in the head, and I and I and I'm not a Trump fan. Don't don't I hope people don't take that the wrong. Way. I he's not well either, <laughs> but but for different reasons. But I mean, I think that Joe Biden is physically not. This is a, a strength. This is the most difficult job in the world, mm-hmm. under the best of circumstances. When you have a, your full mental capacity you know, faculties and your your and your and your physically healthy and you've you're motivated to do it and you're you're going to change what you're all those things even under those circumstances you go in looking like obama in his in day one and you will come out looking like shriveled up gray-haired obama after just eight years and that it happens to all of them joe biden is is not in a position where this is going to work for him from a health standpoint I don't like his politics. I don't like him personally. I don't like any of that stuff. But if I just take that all out of the equation and just just say, like, what are they doing to this other human being? And I'm assuming he's a human being, but just assuming. Uh, what they're doing to him is is cruel. He should he should not be doing this job. He should not be doing any job. He should be fishing. He should be yeah. he should be taking it easy. He should be a consultant for somebody. But this is the wrong place for him. Barisma. Uh, I mean, I'm, I feel sad for him. I don't, I mean, I feel sad a little bit for him. I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a, not, not a very good person. Um, so I don't feel overly sad, but I, I, I think it's, I think that what they're doing is, is, is this guy, this guy should not be in office. He just is falling apart. And this is, I mean, they've tried to, they've tried to put him in like very controlled situations and he still is tripping over his dick every time he speaks. And, and, and so it's like, we get this, this is the choice in America. We yeah. get a, a choice between listening to that for four years, if he makes it, which is a big if. How are these going to make it till get, January? <laughs> you might not make it to January. Or we get four years of listening to Trump, who's going to come out and say, everything is great. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Trust the plan. You know what I mean? And like, so what do we, like, ugh. that's that the, these are our choices. So, yeah. you know, uh, apologies if I'm not overly enthusiastic about where we're headed. And, but, but and Charlie, so, so with these two morons trying to run the show, you know, Trump and, and, or Biden, whoever winds up winning, then they have to deal with this world economic forum. And in my opinion, Joe Biden will be like, come on in, whatever you need, we'll do. And I, I think with Trump, he might be a little bit more inclined to tell them like, stay out of this. Mm. But in the end, I think that that agenda well, is coming, whether we want it or not. That brings you, I had, I had a couple of like two questions that I, I really wanted to ask you before we go. 
And yeah. and the first one, which you just touched on, is is what are the consequences? Assuming President elect Biden gets inaugurated in January, what are the con- what are the consequences of that going to be compared to a Trump? Or is there no consequences and it's just a uh, dog and pony show? Well, I mean, I think that that either way, we're not we're not in a good spot where, you know, we're going to have somebody that is operating against our best interests um, with Biden. It will be a, it, well, it will be a return to the Obama um, administration uh, philosophy, which is the media loves us. So we have total cover to do all kinds of unspeakable shit and we don't have to worry about it. And if, and if anybody says anything, we'll go after them. Uh, any, any whistleblower comes out and tries to talk about it. We'll bury them under the prison, you know? So that, that's the legacy of the Obama administration. I, I, I would think that Biden's would be a lot like that too. Starting more indiscriminate wars or covering up the ones that we currently have, fighting whatever fight the military industrial complex wants to talk us into. Um, and I don't think that that's a good thing with Trump. I think we might potentially get a war with Iran, which would be catastrophic and idiotic. But, but I think, I think that Trump's uh, blind allegiance to Israel is a huge problem. It's a problem for me, at least if from a foreign policy standpoint, not a, not a cultural standpoint, no. but because it, because Israel wants to start a war with Iran, everybody, it's the worst kept secret in the world. Everybody knows that. And they want the U S to do it. And, and, and Donald Trump is, is the, is, you know, beholden to Israel in a way. I mean, Biden is too, don't get me wrong, but, um, but, but Donald Trump is like, they're building Trump Heights in Israel, you know, like they're building real estate developments with his name on it. They're, they're, he's heavily involved. So I have fears about that. So I think that like with Biden, you'll get, you'll get the, um, World Economic Forum's agenda will just come flowing through. Same with those globalist agenda that want to keep keep the wars going forever. I think with Trump, you're going to get um, uh, you're going to get more of what Israel wants to do with with potential foreign conflicts there, which which is should be terrifying. Uh, you you might get Operation Warp Speed with the vaccine, which is is his idea to have the military roll it out, and that is. That is extremely dangerous. I don't like that. So we're in a situation where, where either way, we're going to get uh, agendas that are against our best interest, and but they're just going to be, it. It's just like a different flavor of insanity. But it's, <laughs> it's still insanity either way, and, and it's just. It, it, and, but I'll tell you one thing. One thing that'll be different though is that that is a difference between the two is if Trump becomes the president after Biden has claimed victory and then say it falls apart in the courts and then, or it falls apart because of the courts and the courts say, you know what, in actuality, Donald Trump is the winner. If that happens, and I think there's a very, very slim chance of it, but, but if it does happen, then the next four years are going to be the left, the, the, the liberal class or the liberal people in the United States are going to lose their fucking minds. They are yeah. going to come unhinged and you'll see way more social unrest uh, with that than say Biden, because the yeah. right, even though they're pro Trump, they're not, they're not crazy like that. They're not that Antifa type of, of, of brand of, of insanity. That's just like, unable to control themselves acting screaming into the sky you know when trump won and all that 
all those funny videos of like women, like losing their shit. Um, it, it, if Trump wins, it, we're going to have four years of social unrest. If Biden wins, uh, we're going to have, we won't have as much social unrest in that standpoint, but we'll have all the world economic forums, uh, plans. And so, and that, that is just as bad. So it, Heads, we lose. Tails, we lose. <laughs> you lose a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Last question, and then we'll let you go, right. Charlie. Going back to um, Controlled Demolition, the the new book, and I'm just I just wanted to play devil's advocate here for a minute and okay. ask you: Would it be a bad thing if the American Empire collapsed? No, actually, it wouldn't. It's funny because we, you know, like any, when, when you, when you turn on your nightly news and they, they give you a, you know, they, li- they lie to you about something. It's always wrapped with a, a, a fair amount of truth. It's just one word or something. That's the lie and it changes everything. And so when we think about like the American empire coming down um, and they talk about all the things that, you know, when the world economic forum talks about all the flaws in in our current system and this, you know, this whole thing is we've got all these problems. They're right. They're right. There's, there's, there's parts of this empire that need to go away for sure. The question is who's offering to build it back. And it's like, who, whose hands is the gun in? It's not, it's not so much that the gun is bad. It's, it's the intention of the person. So uh, I don't trust the world economic forum to build back better and do all that stuff. But I am in agreement that we do need to make some major changes about the, uh, with the way things are done. So I'm open for that. very much so and and we we talk about how the american empire going away that isn't to say that america goes away it's the way that the soviet union broke apart in 1991 where they were sort of uh uh where in order to preserve mother russia they they let go of their hold on all of these uh, satellite countries that yeah. they had and, and that, and it was broken apart because of a 10 year endless war in Afghanistan, which the America has now doubled that. <laughs> uh, they had their current currency manipulated by outside interests. They were, their media was, was, you know, everybody knew it was propaganda Pravda. I mean, we, we, we joked about it in the eighties. Uh, and the politicians were stealing everything in, in the Soviet Union that they'd get their hands on, that oligarchs came in to help loot the place. All of those things are being done to the America, uh, to America right now. This, all those same tactics are, are being used. They're, they're running the same playbook. So, so when the American empire goes away, it's not to say that America goes away, much like Russia didn't go away. It just loses it's control of things. It loses those thousand military bases around the world. It loses the petrodollar arrangement or the world's reserve currency arrangement or the swift banking system arrangement that they use to lock countries out that don't do what they want them to do. Like they can lock out Iran or put, use that to put sanctions on, on uh, Venezuela or countries like that. All that stuff goes away when the empire goes away. And I would say that's a good thing. So it's not, it's not exactly that, that this is all bad it's just that we have to be careful with the reconstruction who's in charge of that because if we don't know who those people are uh then they're going to be building a version of reality that works for them but maybe not for us so so the controlled demolition of the american empire is coming it's in it's in the process of happening uh, and 
and hopefully when it's, when it's done, we'll learn from some of the mistakes that we had made in the past and we won't do those things again. But unfortunately, a lot of the times the people, people that are living through the ends of empires are the last people to recognize it. You know, it's always, they never saw it coming. So that's my biggest fear is that with this massive change of society, there's going to be a lot of people that are hurt by it. And uh, there'll be a lot of opportunities as well, but there will be a lot of people that are unable or unwilling to adapt to, to the new changes. And there's going to be a lot of pain on the horizon. And we don't, we don't take that lightly. And we don't, um, we don't say that with any, um, you know, we're not pleased to deliver that message, but we also feel like if we weren't saying what we really saw, we would be doing people a disservice. So we're, we're, we're very concerned about the outlook for the next couple of years. Um, and, and hoping that maybe the book is a wake up call to people so that they see what has happened in the past, what is currently happening, where it looks like it's going and what you can do to sort of, uh, get yourself out of the way. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's a good good place to to wrap things up. Um, thanks very much, Charlie, for coming and spending your time with us. I think it's been brilliant. Yeah, I've fantastic. enjoyed it. Thank you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate that. No problem. All the links, eavesdroppers, will be in the description. Um, what's the best? Pl- where's the best first place to go? Is it the Octopus website? Yeah, the octopus of com is my website. You can find me on Twitter at macroaggressions. Um, my podcast is called Macroaggressions. It's on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and David Icke's uh, video platform, Iconic. And uh, and the books are available on Amazon. You can, well, you we're can find them there. We'll put links to all those things in the episode awesome. show notes. So um, scroll down and check those out and uh, support Charlie's work. It's important work and it's been great to talk to you. And, Thanks, guys. Um, Thanks for having me. Just uh, hang on the line for one minute while we play ourselves out, Charlie. And um, yep. we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side, eavesdroppers. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with the legendary Charlie Robinson. What do we think of that, boys? That's guys. Excellent. I liked it. Mm. Superb. I might even read that book, Phil. I will. I will lend you the octopus. Yeah. yeah. The new one out? Did he say? Sorry, yeah, it came out, didn't it? It came out just before the election, didn't yes. it? Yes. 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 So the destruction of the American Empire, Con- oh, controlled Con- demolition. Sorry, of the American Empire. Yeah, it's just only only been out a couple of weeks. It's uh, hot off the presses. Number one bestseller on Amazon. Yeah. It'll be unaudible yet, will it? Uh, yes, I, lis- I listened to him on Gramerica. Yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure. He- now, did he say that he's got an audio version? Yeah, I think he did. That, say, yeah, yeah, Darren. Darren had a go at him. And said, "Why didn't you come yeah. and come to us to do the audible version?" Yeah. <laughs> get yeah. Graham. Get Graham to to uh, narrate it. So yeah, yeah, yeah the audible books uh, will be out there. I'll be getting it this Christmas. All being well from the mother-in-law. Mm. So that'll be my New Year reading. Presuming we're still alive. <laughs> so yeah, great! I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought he was a brilliant guest. <laughs> Tons of uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, about... I've just uh, just on the off chance, I've put Charlie Robinson into Audible, and the first book that comes up is a 
Paranormal Erotica box set collection. <laughs> oh. so, uh, Maybe you can get him on for that. <laughs> Might ask for that for Christmas. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't come up if you if you put his name in. He, he's not listed as the primary author on Amazon. It's oh, uh, the other really guy, Jeff. What's he? Yeah, Jeff Berwick. Jeff, Jeff Berwick. Yeah, yeah. Is he co-authored? But yeah, if you just put in the controlled demolition of the American Empire, then it comes up. It will come up. You will find yes. it, and the links will be in the description. Right. Mm. Shall we move on? Mm. Housekeeping. 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 I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil. Uh, housekeeping. Uh, become a producer and support the show. How do I become a producer? I hear you cry. Ben. Well, I know, I know. Uh, iTunes review. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Send us Five things. Stars, <laughs> one at a time. I said send us things. <laughs> yeah, you can send us uh, news clips, uh, yes. media, you can send photos, us... arts, gifts. Assorted ephemera. Yeah, I think I think we'll get a PO box and uh, you can start sending us things in the post if you like as well. Yeah, memes for Instagram always Meme. come in handy. Just yeah. anything, just your time. And uh, <laughs> your your uh your most valuable asset. Yeah, the time. stuff stuff yeah. that helps us with the show. Uh what else yeah. can you subscribe to the YouTube channel? Um yeah, because you know, so, uh, more and more of the episodes are becoming visually exciting. Mm. Oh, right, okay. You know, are you going to do something as, tonight? Such as Dave Matheson, you know, that is yeah, a, a yeah. prime episode where you want the visual aids. Yeah, I know we're, we're um, recruiting so many subscribers now, people better hurry up, otherwise there won't be room to subscribe to us anymore. Yeah, it gets full, doesn't it, YouTube? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before we yeah. get banned anyway and we have to go to BitChute or Rumble or whatever. I think in the last week we've added almost um, five subscribers on YouTube. Wow. 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 So, yeah, check out the YouTube channel if you want to see that's how almost, the... That's almost 10%, though. So check out the YouTube channel if you want to see how the sausage is made. Uh, you can email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com. Stalk us on social media. All the links will be in the description. Um, what's the oh the merch? Check out the Amish loot chest. Yeah, bye. Yeah, get yourself a current grape T-shirt or literally a communist hoodie. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they are fairly reasonable quality as well. Eh? Yeah, they actually, I, I'd I'll wear them. Good authority. I'd wear them. Yeah, maybe we should get some samples for Christmas. Yeah. Get yeah. Some, uh, and don't forget we could your face competitions, can we? If we were, if we were, you know, clever like that. Yeah, and don't forget your souvenir. Put on your fucking muzzle face mask. Mm. You know, Classic. big seller. You won't be needing them after you've got your freedom pass. So <laughs> you know, get them now. <laughs> get them used. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the number one way to become a producer? Toss us a fucking coin. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty.
Uh, and it really bothers me. Uh, Because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. I have, I have an issue. I have an issue in this respect that uh, we don't get enough donations. So it's value for value podcast. If you find this podcast mm. valuable, we've just had like a ninety minutes talk with Charlie mm. Robin, fucking Charlie fucking motherfucking Robinson. <laughs> you know, if you find it valuable, toss us a coin, send repay some of that value forward instead mm. of getting that shitty Starbucks for a fiver. Chuck it or uh, PayPal. Just go to the armistinstitution.com, find mm. the How Do I Become a Producer tab, or click the PayPal button and um, toss us a coin. Yeah. Right, let's thank the producers for episode 160. We have Gav Scott, Nomi Nosnodge, The Corrector, Aaron Lavray, TG, Nick Hall, Tamborista 2020, Joe Smith, Panhead, and Anon. You are so amazing in your love. They are. Yes, they are. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing in their love. Thanks for your support for another week. <laughs> You're literally the best mate. Literally. <laughs> the best mate. <sighs> I've been coming to terms with the fact that I'm, I'm a Marxist. Because I'm literally a communist. I got Harry Cunt. Because I'm literally a. <laughs> The dwarf, the carrots, the grape, the homophobe, the, the misogynist, the grandpa, cunt, the blind man, the cripple, and the mother of the bickering from hell. <laughs> testing, testing, testing. We need to test, 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 test. Oh. Test that motherfucker. Test till you're blue in the face. <laughs> yep, thanks for your support for another week. It's been great. Another good episode. Let's uh, let's finish with some some funny stuff, eh? Time's rocking on. Mm. Uh, that won't stop for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know uh, Charlie was running a little bit late, and I got on the wine a little bit early. <laughs> and uh, I, I won't lie, I'm struggling to hold it together. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, Do you know? Um, JVT. Do you know who JVT is? Uh, Justin uh, Van Tam. Van Tam, yeah. Justin. Okay. <laughs> Jan Van Tam? Jonathan. Is <laughs> it Jonathan? So Jonathan Van Tam, is is he a deputy chief medical officer? Medical, I think. He's something, isn't he? He's either deputy chief scientific officer or deputy chief medical officer. And uh, when um, Chris Whitless or Patrick Unbalanced isn't available to do the daily briefing, they drag uh, JVT in, and they love calling him JVT. He's become a celebrity. And uh, I think he might have some sort of radio training or some army training, <laughs> judging by what happened in the most recent press conference. Check this. These are going to be critically important things as we move into a new phase of actually being able to deliver a vaccine programme in the uh, um, early months of next year. Over. Bearing in mind that when we get to the end of that period, actually we see the fruits of our actions um, a few a few days, a couple of weeks later. And this is really important. Don't give up on it now. Thank you. Over. Thanks very much. Do I accept that sometimes when you're on the glide path, 
you can have a side wind and that um, the landing is not, you know, totally straightforward, it's totally textbook. Of course. And this is the real science world that we live in. But yes, I think we're on the glide path. Over. We'll be one or two or three weeks. It won't be very long at all because we intend to move with as much pace as we can possibly muster. Over. Thank you very much, uh, Professor. Yeah, he's Why? Buddy. He's on a he's on a video <laughs> conference and he's, he he's, he says over at the, at the end of every bit he says. That's just weird. <laughs> Unless it's like some kind of um, Whitehall etiquette that you know because it can get a little bit like you start talking over people that they've agreed that you say over at the end of a conversation of oh, what you're bit you're saying over. It, it's a, it's an in joke then because they've only told JVT this. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I suppose they've just told him you're not supposed to do it when you're being interviewed by the media. It's the internal um, request over. Do you know he who he reminds me of over? Who over? Baron von Greenback from Danger Mouse. Over. Oh, wow. I didn't think you'd say it, but you said it. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't I say it? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, we'll move on from JVT. Um, Katie Pierce, the teenager from Wales, has made a, a name for herself this week. Is it a teenager, or do you say the teenager? Katie Pierce, the teenager, she's 17, and she's from Wales. Did you not say a teenager rather than the teenager, though? I've no idea. I've, I've drunk, like, four glasses of wine. Right, okay. Does it matter? Yeah, I think so. Which would you prefer, I say? I'd say a teenager, because the teenager kind of puts it across, Spices like, I should one. know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should know. It's, oh, Katie Pierce, the teenager from Wales. Fair comment. Katie Pierce, a teenager <laughs> from Wales, made a name for herself this week with this viral video. This, I don't, things I just don't understand. The wind. It's, it's titled <coughs> Things She Doesn't Understand. Number one is The Wind. The Wind. Okay. What? Like, what is it? How? What is wind? I don't get it. Never will. Many. Why don't they just print loads of many off? Like, why? Like, I don't... Then no one would be poor. I just don't get it. The world. How is it one of the smallest planets, but then nine billion people live on it? And animals. And animals? Don't get it. How? Why? Electricity. I know it comes from the pylons, but how does it get to the pylon? How does electricity get to the pylons? Who knows? Katie doesn't know. I know this much. Like what? Bit confusing. We'll never understand that. The number 11. The number 11. Ooh. Why is it called 11 and not 21? Like 22, <laughs> 33. <laughs> 20, like 11. Who thought of that? Don't like it. I think she's got a point there. I think it should be called 21. 21, yeah. 21. 1-2-2. 1-2-3. I think she's some sort of some sort of savant, I think. Mm. Let's see what she's got to finish on. The ocean, how is it so deep? Why is it so deep? Uh, don't get it. I just don't understand space. I just don't get it. Like, I just... What? It just confuses me. Name of things. Who looked at something and was like, that's the sky? What? <gasps> what? Yeah. Brilliant. 
She doesn't know what's going a on. Philosopher for our time. When's she coming on the podcast? Do we need to have like a? Do we need paperwork to get an under eighteen year old? Then? Oh, yeah. uh, I imagine that's a difficult uh, legal quandary. Maybe we'll skip on Katie Pierce from Wales. Uh, shame because I'm with her. Know, it's one for the future. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's wanty one from now on. Wanty one, wanty two. I'm pretty sure that's how the Chinese count anyway, so it'll, it'll be it'll be the reality over here anyway in 20 years. One, two, one. <coughs> uh, right, last thing. I would like to formally throw my hat in the ring here. Ooh. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm missing something. Phil, pad, pad. Do you remember when Phil used to do notes for Future Phil? Yeah, Future Phil, yeah. Future Phil, go back in time. Make sure the pad is on the desk. Yeah. Come on, Future Phil. Maybe it'll appear. The problem is he hasn't got a hat on to toss into the ring. No, he doesn't have a a ring-tossing hat, does he? No. Just, you know, this is what people, you know, when... The newsreader has panic, goes across the rye. Shuffle your papers! Just shuffle your papers! (laughs) Oh, Phil. Phil. (laughs) Do you know, things were going so... It's been such a slick podcast up until that moment. (laughs) It's because I think the guest has left and you kind of don't have to pretend not to be drunk anymore. (laughs) You let it all out in one go. Yeah. I want to formally throw my hat into the ring... And uh, audition—that's the word. I want to audition to the uh, for the Ghanaian Broadcasting Corporation because <laughs> I feel like they maybe have a, a job going on their sports desk, which maybe I think yeah, you know about sports. I think I can fulfil because there was a viral video that went round Twitter of the Ghanaian sport pundit reading out the uh, football results, so. What I thought I'd do, I'd break it down and, and I'd sort of, I would read my bit and then we would hear the Ghanaian newsreader yeah. do his bit. I thought that might be entertaining. Go on then. Okay, so um, Saturday, English Premier League results. Everton 1, Manchester United 3. English Premier League. Everton 1. Manchester United, three. Crystal Palace, four. Leeds United, one. Crystal Palace, four. Leeds United, one. Chelsea, four. Sheffield United, one. Chelsea, four. The United, one. West <laughs> West Ham United West Ham United 1 Fulham 0 West Ham 1 Fulham 0 Good Here are the results from Sunday's English Premier League fixtures <laughs> West Bromwich Albion 0 Tottenham Hotspur 1 Sun, Sunday, 
Westbrook Westbrook which nil Tottenham out for space one Leicester City one <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers nil Leicester City one Manchester City won. <laughs> Liverpool won. Manchester City won. Liverpool won. Yep. Arsenal nil. Aston Villa three. Arsenal <laughs> nil. <coughs> a, a strong v- v- village. Three. Arsenal. 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 There's energy there. Fucking talk about being committed. Arsenal. 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 Is it not like, is that the Ghanaian Joe Biden or something? It kind of goes into the blah, 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 made up language. I have no idea what you're talking about. True international average of pressure. <laughs> what kind of made up language? I'll call Pluto's accountable. <laughs> <laughs> what about Badakath care? Rock and I think it's a right for people that have Badakath care. And by the way, you know, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. True international average of pressure. Oh, son of a bitch. Pluto, I'll call Pluto's accountable. Oh, don't take so long. Line dog face pony soldier. Yeah. We love, uh, we love creepy Uncle Joe. Mm. Oh my God, I'm trying to create a, it's making me create a breakout room. I don't need to do that. God's sake. Asna! <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you just see the video? Did you watch the video of that man doing the, the football? He just yeah. had like a bottle of Fanta on his desk. Yeah. Did you not he's see thirsty. that? He's just have a, you know, it's a mug, isn't it? It's a branded mug. You fill it with Fanta by all means, but it doesn't have the bottle of Fanta on the desk. Come on. No. Shocking behaviour. Mm-hmm. I think I can have that job. Yeah. I think I'm so. do it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure you'd have the same level of passion there, Phil. Arsenal! <laughs> What's wrong with that? Arsenal! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's thinking, isn't it? Arsenal! Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. I've... <laughs> I think this has been a superb podcast. Have we got anything to add before we fuck off into the night? <laughs> no, listen to us religiously. And subscribe. Mm. Yeah. Shall we uh, Shall we do one? Mm. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Asana! Asana. Right, we'll be back next week for another... Uh, who have we got next podcast. Yeah. podcast. Dangerous um, Dan. We oh, got a millennial. Yeah, we got a we got yeah, a real life real life millennial and online dating expert. Asna paperwork and an appropriate adult for, for this youngster next week. Yeah, we got it. Such a, a chaperone. Yeah. Right, let's disappear then. Thanks for thanks for listening. See you next week. 
Stay yeah. safe. Wakanda forever. Fuck Bill Gates. Yeah. Anything else? Next podcast is for Gab Scott. Yeah. I can't have children with... Literally a communist. Give me ten good men and some climbing spikes. The dwarf. The currants. The grape. The beasts. The cripple. And the mother of... God! From hell. Come here, goose, you big... Communist. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I'm a Marxist. I'm literally a communist. He's against Thailand. They give him a big fat shot in the ass and... And Corn Pop was a bad dude. Cut a grape. This is such a crock of shit. It really bothers me. He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil, that... Uh, 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 it really bothers me. Uh, 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 because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect.